kicking off season four with a bang. We have shared stories, testimonies, and news of gospel artists, musicians, songwriters, promoters, and announcers. We would like to continue the mission of sharing great news through gospel music and its gold. There will be more shows giving tribute and accolades to pioneers and those who have left legacies of ministry through song. I hope you, the listening audience, enjoy the conversations of my guests and show your support by purchasing their music and or reaching out to them, letting them know they are appreciated. Love is not just a word, but an action. So let's all take part in sharing love to those who are in the ministry of music, spreading the gospel in song. We hope to continue bringing exciting shows and growing our knowledge in gospel music and its gold to the music genre as a whole. Welcome to Let's Talk Gospel Music Gold. I have been afforded the opportunity to become a co-author on If We Can Do It, You Can Too. To order your copy of the book for a $10 love offering, I will include free shipping. Please contact me at let's talk to gmg at gmail.com. That's let's talk, the number two, gmg at gmail.com. Thank you. With me today is Frederick Shorter, an ordained minister of music, founder, director, and musician for the Blakely Mass Choir, which was founded in 1989. The minister of music at Wesley Chapel AME Church and Mount Olive Baptist Church in Blakely, Georgia. Founder and owner of Shorter Productions Company, Frederick and the Blakely Mass Choir has been in existence for 34 years and will celebrate their 35th choir anniversary on February 2024. In 2015, Blakely Mass Choir released their first CD written and arranged by Minister Frederick Shorter. In 2016, the CD was nominated for six awards by the National and Independent Gospel Music Association. In 2017, the choir won in two categories, Song of the Year, I've Got to Tell It, and Traditional Choir of the Year. In 2019, the choir was inducted into the Living Legend Hall of Fame by the National and Independent Gospel Music Association in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. In 2021, in Memphis, Tennessee, the National and Independent Gospel, Art, Gospel Music Association awarded the Blakely Mass Choir Awards for Best Recording Artist with Featured Soloist and Traditional Choir of the Year. 
And in 2023, Frederick Shorter and the Blakely Mass Choir was nominated for three awards. Now, Frederick gave us his motto, which is, do live the songs you sing about. Welcome to Let's Talk Gospel Music Gold. Hey, Frederick, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing well, and you? <laughs> just great, just great. So based on that, tell my audience a bit more about you. Let's get into it. Well, I, I am Frederick Shorter, founder, director, and musician for the Blakely Mass Choir. And as you said, we have uh, been in existence for 34 years now. It's hard to believe uh, sometimes. <laughs> but uh, in February of this year will be 35 years. So we are looking forward to celebrating what God has done and what God has kept together for this amount of time. And uh, I, I just love the Blakely Mass Choir. I love what we do because we love the Lord. Okay. Now, let me ask you, your name is Frederick and the yes. last name is Shorter. Where did the name Blakely Mass Choir come from? Came from Blakely, Georgia. That's where okay. we're located here in Blakely, Georgia. Um, actually, <laughs> the choir started as uh, a surprise appreciation for me. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> when I was getting ready to graduate to go off to college. And uh, I had rehearsed with the other musicians. They all knew what was going on. I didn't. And that night of the concert, I knew they kept pushing me off the piano uh, during the rehearsals, and I was getting upset. And everybody else knew, but I was like, well, why are they doing this? And they were like, I don't know. I don't know. But they all knew what was going on. And that Sunday, they surprised me and uh, with the appreciation. So that was supposed to have been a one-time thing. But there were so many requests for the choir to continue. And so after we kept receiving the requests, we just sat down and said, okay, we got to do something about this. <laughs> so that's how the Blakely Mass Choir came about. Okay. Now, with that, did you, uh, was it just people in the city, like the different churches in the city that came together to do yes. this? It was, uh, it started from one of the choirs that I was playing for at the time and it was a community choir and so there were different people in that choir which stretched out to their other choirs <laughs> so it just kept <laughs> going and going and so they all just came together because I was at some way been affiliated with all these people because I started playing when I was in sixth grade mm. and so now I'm in 12th grade when this happened so I had been around as far as playing and and I, I think when I was in high school at one time I was playing for eight different choirs at one time. Wow. Wow. Now how did you okay, I'm gonna ask this crazy question. <laughs> how did you keep up with the songs of eight choirs or did you have everybody singing the same thing? <laughs> no, that was one of my pet peeves. I could not stand everybody singing the same thing. So I was always uh attending workshops, music workshops at a young age, uh, always listening to the radio, trying to hear what others were doing. And I would love to hear church services live, like 
you know, where they had been recorded and mm -hmm. like taken to the radio station. I would love to hear those because I knew that was what happened in that church service, you know, and how the people responded to that. And so um, I, I, I've always had that little thing about everybody singing the same thing. <laughs> you know, I, I just always tried to differentiate when it came to that. Okay. My hardest group were, was the men's choirs and the children's choirs were my two hardest ones to find music for. Mm. And so they were kind of a challenge. But um, we have to be very selective with that because, like I tell my choir members, we can sing a lie as well as tell a lie. Mm. And so we don't want to do that. We want to make sure that um, whatever we sing, it is actually true what we are singing about. So in, in essence... You don't want the children's choir singing about hard times and tribulations. Exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, see, that's something that's that is, uh, I believe, it's an attribute when you're able to descend, discern what yes. is the best uh, appropriate music for appropriate places. And a lot of people don't know that. They don't uh, see that. They don't realize it and understand okay, the children's choir can sing This Little Light of Mine. Right. But is it really, I mean, it, it's a, apropos for a senior choir, but wouldn't you want them to sing something a bit more deep? Right. Talking, talking more about the light that's so shown in them and mm -hmm. talk about, or witness. Right. Know? Yeah, that's the song, Witness for My Lord. Children can be a witness in a way. But mm -hmm. adults can be more of a witness right. because they've gone through so much. Gone okay. through something, right. <laughs> well, see, I learned something new today from hearing <laughs> that. And I was like, yeah, that's, that is true. You cannot allow children to sing songs that are not really related to experiences that they've gone right. through. Right, yes. Maybe teenage years, they've <laughs> gone through a little something. Right. Okay. Right. Now, how do you pick songs for the men's choir? The men's choir, like I said, was another area. <laughs> I is is so much out there that men choirs do. But when I started to listen, a lot of the, a lot of their songs are uh, geared toward personal testimonies. Mm. And I, I have to say, like, that, oh, have you heard this? Yeah, I've heard it, but, you know, and, and a lot of times when um, people suggest things, it's not so much as the lyrics, but it's the beat that's there. And I said, we can't get caught up in the beat and not listen to the lyrics. So the lyrics is what's important that we're putting out there to our people. And because... We don't want to mislead someone. And for example, one of my, uh, one that stays with me is someone saying about um, they have a mother going on, a father going on, sister, and then their mother's sitting in the audience mm. there, you know? And mm -hmm. so I always use that as an example um, when I'm teaching uh, this concept here. And 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 I said, there's there's some things out there. We just have to take the time to listen to them and to find them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's what it takes me more time with uh, men and ch children. Okay, okay. 
Well, that is uh, that is a good uh, sense of where you're coming from when you think about music. And it also gives a, a little insight to singers as well. If mm -hmm. they uh, so do you have singers that present a song to you and say, I want to sing this song? Or do you pull out from the group that you know who you want to lead a specific song? I would say 99% of the time is me pulling out. Okay. Every now and then I may get one to uh, say, uh, have you heard this? I would like to do that. That very seldom happens, but mostly it's me saying, yeah, that's that fits so-and-so, that fits his lifestyle, you know, you know, they've been through this, they can sing about that, you know, mm -hmm. that's pretty much what I'm doing. Um, with, and, and, and I wish in my area here where I live, geographically, that it was bigger, but we're in small areas. So a lot of times you hear a lot of the same people, but I just wish sometimes, it, not that there's wrong with what they're doing, but, you know, just have a variety of people to mm -hmm. choose from. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, I was because I was going to ask you: Are there any nearby uh, towns that are actually part of your uh, Berkeley yes. Mass Choir? Yes, yes, I have um, Donaldsonville, Georgia, which is twenty-five miles away from Blakely, um, and Jake in Georgia is twenty-two miles away. I have had. Some from Fort Gaines, Georgia, which is like 18 miles north of Blakely. And I had one, two, well, who used to live in Blakely, but she moved to Dothan, Alabama. She came back uh, last month for our Christmas cantata. Mm. We went to her church in Dothan, and she sang with us. So that gave her a chance to sing with us. Uh, she came to Blakely to rehearse, and we went over there to do our uh, songs and so yeah we we have people who come from uh, surrounding counties um to uh participate and okay. i really appreciate them my oldest choir member is 98 years old wow and um <clears throat> his name is deacon blue he <laughs> is a true inspiration to our group. He's the father of our choir, we call him. And um, he still comes. He doesn't get up to sing with us, but his daughter is so faithful with bringing him when she can, when he feels up to it, and uh, his wife. But he loves to play the tambourine. And so he gets to sit in the audience and still play his tambourine. And so uh, I really appreciate him for that and uh the other choir member who is the same was the same age as him she passed away like two years ago she had been in the choir since day one mm. and she was like my cousin slash godmother my secretary my everything she did all the <laughs> calling and and she she loved to call that was her ministry she did <laughs> to call everybody said we're going to rehearse this is going on even if they knew they said well i already know she said i don't care i'm still gonna let you know anyway uh -huh. that's that's what she did and so i really miss her but um the two of them uh were my oldest choir members are my well, my oldest choir members, and I do uh, really appreciate him for still having the desire to come. 
a lot of times he doesn't know we're going to be where she's taking him. And so it just gets him excited when he sees me walking. <laughs> and he said, I didn't know you were going to be here. So, yeah. That yes. is really nice. And you know what? I think that is very encouraging for other people because if this 98-year-old can get out yes. and still uh, just participate in what he can mm -hmm. participate in, and then you allow him, because, you know, sometimes people put seniors aside and wow. don't give them, you know, once they hit 70 years old or 80 years old, they just put them aside. But that is just, I think that is a very good highlight. And to see him and even uh, the mother that was there, to see them participating because it, wow. it motivates others. Mm -hmm. And they say, well, if they can do it, doggone right. it. I can do it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and before he got to where he couldn't continue to come, he would drive. He was driving to a few years ago. Uh, he would drive to men choir rehearsal uh, hmm. by himself. And, and he was just so energetic. And when we would march in for our anniversary, he had more energy than anybody in that choir. <laughs> <laughs> And I really miss that. <laughs> yeah, and that is, and I think that is really encouraging not only to you, but it's also encouraging to some of the other choir members too, that yes, are that can motivate. I'm I'm talking on their behalf. I don't know because mm -hmm. I ain't met them. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wonderful group of people. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now I want to ask you. I want to go back to something because I take notes while I'm while we talk. Okay. And you said that you attended workshops. Where were the <laughs> workshops or what were the names of the workshops that you participated in? The workshops back then were uh, the Wildgrass Musicians Association in Dothan, Alabama. And Dothan is like 33 miles uh, west of Blakely. And uh, the, well, now Pastor Eddie Bray, he was uh, Reverend Bray, um, he was uh, Brother Bray at the time when we were doing workshops. <laughs> and so Reverend Bray would hold these workshops in Dothan. That's where he lived. Uh, he started out at the church. He ministered in music. And he would hold this workshop every year. But the Wildgrass had their own group. And they would hold a workshop also. So that gave me more than one opportunity to go uh, up under him. And Miss Mosley was a lady in our community. She just loved children. She wasn't at the church that I grew up in, but she was right down the street at the Methodist church. But it didn't matter. If Ms. Mosley picked you up, you just went to church. You know, <laughs> and so all of us went to Wesley Chapel and then all of us chapel would come to Mount Olive. So it was just that kind of thing. And uh, so Ms. Mosley, I was in the boys choir and I'll never forget, I was nine years old. Miss Mosley wanted to start this boys' choir. And I remember she came to my mom's house and she said, I want your son to sing in this boys' choir that I'm about to start. Of course, my mom says, okay. When my, when Miss Mosley left, I said, I am not singing in the boys' <laughs> choir. I, I don't care what y'all say. I, I'm not doing it. But I was already singing in my, my church choir, in the children's choir. And... um she said, uh, yes, you are going to sing it. And I said, I'm not singing in boys. <laughs> Turns out I became the lead singer in the boys' choir. Oh, 
Mm. I was singing soprano back then. And Miss Mosley would always say, we never had a steady musician because the songs she, she had for us, nobody could really play. <laughs> and so <laughs> uh, she says, one of these days, we're going to get a musician. God is going to bless us with a musician. And she would always say, I had a dream. The musician came and he had a suitcase. And she kept telling me about that dream. And I would say, okay, so when I got in high school, she was going to Connecticut to a funeral. And our musician wasn't there that week. So I got on the piano and started playing at rehearsal. Mm -hmm. And they said, oh, you can play for us on Sunday. I'm like, what? <laughs> so I played one song, you know. And so when they, Ms. Mosley came back from Connecticut, they had told her, Frederick played a song at church for us. And immediately she said, uh, I heard you play the song at church. Now you can play for my boys' choir. I'm like, what? <laughs> and so that's how I started playing for the boys' choir. And um, so she said, now what I'm going to do, she was taking music up under Reverend Bray too. Mm -hmm. and But she said, I'm just basically going to talk in the shop. But I'll take Frederick and he can do piano. <laughs> so I was in 12th grade. So at, on Fridays when I would get out of school, she'd be waiting and pick me up. And we would go uh, some days to Dothan to Reverend Bray for me to take uh, lessons. Uh, but really, I didn't have to do the lessons. It was just the songs that she had for us that I would go over with Reverend Bray. So I knew how to play, but she that was another excuse for her to go to Dothan, too. <laughs> she just didn't want to tell her husband that. Because <laughs> we would end up at um, the 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 uh, fabric store and everywhere else. It was always about what my boy is going to wear next year. So we were always looking for different colors and all of that stuff. <laughs> so that's how I started going to the workshops of Under Reverend Bray. Until he asked me, well, he told me, he didn't ask me. He said, <laughs> You're going to play in this workshop. I said, oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and that first one he made me play in, I was able to play comfortably after that. But he, I give him his props. He is awesome with, with that keyboard, Reverend Brady is. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then have you ever been to any workshops in any other states? I um well the uh, rhythm of gospel where we won the awards uh we traveled with that I did go to um uh, gospel music workshop of America when it was uh held in Atlanta um and that was an experience that I always wanted to get the other state that I attended was um when I ministered music at uh St Luke Amy Church in Ufall, Alabama, up under the late Pastor Jonathan Brown. Uh, that was my real first experience with pastor-musician relationship mm -hmm. because he always made sure that we met and talked about the ministry every week. We evaluated the ministry to see what could we do better, mm -hmm. uh, if, if anything. And that was an every Friday thing. <laughs> we we had contact about that. And so Reverend uh, uh, Pastor Brown knew about Hampton University 
in Hampton, Virginia. And we traveled there uh, two years, I know, to the Pastors and Musicians Conference uh, in Hampton. And that was an experience I'll never forget. Okay. And so I really enjoyed that. That is good because I think that when you participate in workshops and go around and discover what other musicians are doing, what other uh, churches are doing. Now, right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to something that you talked about, about a relationship between pastors and musicians. Yes. And I see this a lot on uh, Facebook where people are communicating and they talk about how they're uh, some of the ministers, I'm sorry, some of the musicians don't really have good relationships with their pastors. Yes. So tell me an experience and something that may help a musician that may be listening or a pastor that may be listening to this. What do you think is the best method to work together as opposed to one doing one thing, one doing another thing, and we're going to come together and... Whatever right. comes out. Right. My experience with Pastor Brown when I first got there, I shared with him because <laughs> I had played for several AME churches. I was born and raised Baptist. But <clears throat> like I said, my church was on two Sundays. So that meant I could go somewhere else the other two to play. So believe me, they made sure I played somewhere else. <laughs> and so... Excuse me. I had an experience with an AME church. So I said, I'm not playing for another AME church. I'm just not going to do it. But that was me saying <laughs> that was a God saying that. That was me. And mm. so when Pastor Brown was calling me, uh, he had heard about me for uh, to come to his church. I just went by one uh, night. The first When I first started teaching, the school was canceled that night at the college because of the weather. And I know it was God. And so he, he had called me. I said, well, I can come over to your church. He said, I just want to talk to you and listen to you play. And I went over. And they had an organ there. It had not played an organ in years. And so I played the piano. And he said, well, I like to hear the organ sound. Can you play the organ? I said, mm, a little. <laughs> and so I went up in the choir stand. They had the organ up in the choir stand and and so I remember I played Sweet Sweet Spirit and it never sounded more beautifully than that and I said thank you Lord because it's you not me <laughs> and uh, he said I just love that sound that was in that January but Pastor Brown called me every Sunday morning that was the first week in January every Sunday morning to check on me mm. and he said uh, I just want to know if today is the day. <laughs> That's what he would always say. <laughs> and I was just laughing. And, and I said, oh, I don't think so. And he, it was his consistency. But when we, when I did finally go there, uh, he said to, when in the meeting, he said to them, he said, now I am hiring him as the minister of music here because he knows about music. He handles that. He said, I don't handle music. He said, I handle problems. Mm. I'm not bringing him here to handle problems because if anyone has a problem, 
with him, the choir is not for you. He said, so we can find where you fit, but he's not here to handle problems. So he said, he's going to give you the rules. And if you can't go by the rules, you know the choir's not for you. And so he set it up that way. So they knew there was nothing to run to him about that he didn't already know about that mm -hmm. I had said, because we always communicated. We always talked every week uh, about everything. You know, he had the rules that they had too, because he had to approve them. And that's what I told him. Look at this and let me know what I need to change. You, letting him know you're the pastor. You're the one with a vision here. I am the minister of music. And if I can't follow your vision, I'm in the wrong place. Mm -hmm. So letting repeat, him know that I repeat respect, that. Repeat letting that him know that if the, you have the vision uh -huh. and if I can't follow the vision, I'm in the wrong place okay. because God gives him the vision. And so um, I, I said to him, and I know some things that work in Georgia won't work in Alabama because it wasn't set up like that in, in, in Georgia because he was, like I said, the first true pastor that I met that had a pastor relationship musician relationship mm. and like some of these musicians when the pastor gets up to preach they get up and go out for the smoke break and all that stuff you know i i don't like that kind of stuff and then want to come back in and tune the the pastor when it's time for the celebration no i said no 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 we need teaching too we need preaching too so what gives a musician an excuse this is my break time while the word is going on. That's nothing but the enemy to, to say that. So uh, he knew that I expected, you know, my choir. And, and I said, anything that doesn't have rules is going to be chaotic, you know. And so I always had my rules there. So they knew that, you know, um, if we, we can't follow these rules, because we went over every one of them, and if anybody had questions, I would clarify whatever, whatever. And um, I said, but if we don't have the rules, you you're gonna wish we did have them. You know, when everybody starts complaining, and then and they'll come to, well, so and so did this, and so and so did that. Nobody said anything about that, and so we didn't. We never had that problem because he always said he doesn't handle problems. I handle the problem. He handles the music. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we were successful. Okay. Well, that is, that's good advice for people. And I know that there are a lot of people that where the musicians get up and leave during the service. And I think that's because the pastor allows them to do that in the sense of does not have clarification in the beginning, not saying allowing like their kids, but doesn't have clarification asking, okay, as a musician here at this church, we'd like you to stay for the word. Right. Stay on your instrument. If you have mm -hmm. to, you know, step out to go to the restroom or something of that nature. But for the most part, we ask you to stay for the ministry as yes. well. So I believe that sometimes if people are not clear in the beginning, Right. That's that's where you have uh, issues. Mm -hmm. I've seen I've seen the and I'll go back to Facebook. 
I've seen where they show a, a minister standing in a pulpit and reprimanding the musicians. Well, that's mm -hmm. not the place to right. talk to your musicians. Exactly. If they're doing something like they, uh, one of them was somebody was uh, drinking water or something at the, at the instrument. Well, if that was the case, then you should have laid that rule out in advance. Mm -hmm. Not wait until it happened and then want to reprimand someone in right. service. You know, hold that. Just, you know, put a pin in that. After service, pull all the musicians together and say, from this point on, please do not bring blah, blah, blah in the right. in the pulpit. And I think a lot of things, that's even when you, when you talk about just a, a plethora of, of things. If you don't have rules, if you don't have a discussion or if you have rules, but you don't discuss them with people because you can have rules written on the wall. Mm -hmm. And if people aren't reading them, they don't know that they're there. That's right. If you don't point them out and talk with them, they don't understand what the rules are. And as you mentioned, you want the choir and the musicians to know the rules give an opportunity to ask questions right? so that everyone is clear. And that, I think that works very well in a structured organization, whereas people just doing whatever they want to do. And then you start, then you start writing rules after they did it. Right. <laughs> but you want to reprimand them when it happens. Uh-uh. Right. <laughs> what you say, put the rules in place, uh -huh. put the boundaries there. And people will make the decision, adult people will make the decision, yes, I want to follow that, or no, I don't. Exactly. <laughs> so since we're talking about rules, give me three of your top rules that you have. Three of my top rules. One is to be always in uniform. And uniform is whatever uniform that we've decided to wear for that particular day. You can give me any of your rules like, oh, do you allow people to chew gum in choir rehearsal? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I haven't had that to be an issue I, because I haven't really seen them chewing it, but it has, uh, I'd, I'd say the peppermint, I usually get on them about that, about passing out peppermint to people mm. when, when they're singing because the uh, that sugar, they don't know what it does to their vocal cords if they have to sing again. But they they will pass it out after the first song to everybody if it doesn't sound like they think it should sound. So I do have that that rule about uh, the candy person. Uh, don't become the candy bag person for everybody <laughs> in the choir. Um, of course, you know, motto, do live the songs you sing about. Um, the other one, another one would be, uh, if you can't come, call. Mm. Okay. If you can't come, call. Um, I don't have a problem with uh, someone recording the rehearsal for them, but I do have a problem when people just don't show up for a rehearsal. But when it's time to perform, here they are. And so uh, I, I do have that. I, I would love 
but you have called me to let me know that shows concern that you are concerned about the organization. Um, the other one is support what you're in. Mm. If you're if you're in the organization, support it, because a lot of times we let other things come before of our organization and in this is a ministry what we're doing and we have to keep that in mind mm -hmm. and so sometimes if we ask ourselves um if i had to prioritize uh what i did when i didn't go to choir rehearsal what i was doing which one would the lord be pleasing with you know um a lot of times choir members will let things get in the way that shouldn't get in the way if they're not really looking at, you know, because that's what the enemy wants to do anyway, to keep us from uh, perfecting our praise. And so if um, they look at it that way, I know sometimes things can come up, but I think we just need to be where we need to be mm -hmm. uh, when it's time to be there, especially with ministry. Mm -hmm. Now, how are you about time? So if you're, if you're, choir is scheduled to sing at a program and the program director or coordinator says we're going to put you up at the second uh mm -hmm. second grouping right or we're going to have you be the special guest and we're going to give you 30 minutes to sing mm -hmm. and the program starts at 4.30. Do you have the choir members show up at 4 o'clock, 4.15, or 4.30? I always give them the time of the performance. Um, depending on <coughs> excuse me, depending on where we are because some places we go, I have to take my own equipment mm. to set it up. Some places already are equipped. You know, I don't have to take anything. So that would have a, a, a that would play a part in it too. But I'm always wanting to be ahead of time. They know that. Um, if people are riding with me, and they say, well, can I catch a ride with you? I say, sure. They may uh, know it sounds a little off that I'm a little adding more time, but I don't like to get there right at the time because, you know, some things can happen along the way too. Um, but they know that if I say a time I'm leaving, that's the time I'm leaving. <laughs> And, and and as far as we're performing, they you know do not come up if we are already performing. Have a seat. Mm. And that's even in my choir rehearsal. If we have started, they know they, they have a seat. And when we get to a point where I can invite them up, they will come up. And so they are really good about that. Okay. Okay. Now I'm going to go back to something you just said is that most places you go, you have to take your own equipment. Wow. Yes. That is really, <laughs> that's really interesting. So yes. um, when you talk about taking your own equipment, I'm, I'm thinking just the keyboard 
But do you also have to bring drums and yes. <laughs> really? Drum set as well as keyboard, as Wow. well as congas. Wow. <laughs> Wow. yes. I guess I'm spoiled. I've uh, because, well, I'm in the sh Chicago area. And most places you go, they've already got a setup. Mm -hmm. They've got their organ. They've got the keyboards. Although some of the organists don't want you to play on their organ. Um, the, usually they have uh, drums. Now, the only thing that I've seen that if a visiting choir or a guest featured choir is if for the drummers, they have to bring their own snare Right. and sticks. But I did not know that you have to bring all Yes. of your own. Yes. <laughs> okay, At okay. some places, because some people still have uh, pianos. They're the upright pianos that with the back turned to the choir. Mm. And there's no way I can do that with my choir today. <laughs> I mean, they, I have to see them and they have to see me um, because I most times direct from the keyboard. Um, where I am. So um, they drums in this area, uh, there are not many churches that have them. I would say that Mount Olive, the church I, uh, I'm a member of, was one of the first churches uh, in the Wesley Chapel right down the road, AME, was uh, the first probably AME church around here to have drums in their church. But when we first got drums, it was a battle because it was new to the people. And, and at in the beginning, they were there and then they were gone. In a matter of days, they were gone. And You mean then the when the drum set was gone or the uh, drummer? we, we had to take the drum set out Wow. of the church. Um, and then... Uh, another pastor came there and uh, it was just like they came back. <laughs> and because those people who really didn't want them there at that time, they had either passed on or left. And so this pastor came and the drums were back. And so they're still there at, at the church where I grew up. And so um, a lot of it is People don't ask. They could really upgrade their music in their churches, but they won't ask someone or either they don't feel it's important. But when you ask people to come to your church, you know, it would be helpful if Yeah, yeah. you were That already is Wow, that sounds like something I can invent. No, just kidding. I uh have a well, an IT support company. And I was talking to one of my relatives because we were uh we were at a service in New York. Um, and the music was there, they had equipment and stuff in the church, but it was dangerous. And because I have an IT background, I was pointing out to my cousin, I said, you know, that that is a hazard. This is a hazard. That is a hazard. And he's like, well, what would you suggest? So I was giving them some little pointers. And the thing is, like you said, people need to ask for assistance. And it doesn't take a lot of investment, 
when you think of the when you think of the long run and if you're Mm -hmm. inviting people to come to your church uh you're inviting a choir that is used to the uh, keyboard uh organ drums congos Mm -hmm. guitars Mm -hmm. bass and lead guitars and you're asking them to come now of course bass and lead guitars of course they have to bring their equipment anyway Mm -hmm. Uh, but you could have an amp supporting a soundboard that will support that so all they have to bring is their guitar and you know i i'm trying i'm struggling with this it's 2024 (laughs) y'all So that is, and, and they make it affordable where you can get a package, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And Ooh. and have that set up and secured, et cetera. So that's another, that's another little platform that I get on in regards to if you want people to come to your, I'm going to say venue, not just your church. Mm-hmm. You want people to come to your venue. You have to support their wholeness right yes not just the vocals because how many churches have you gone in that may not have mics right Uh, probably don't have mics or you have a lead singer and there's one mic and it's just attached to the the pulpit to the Mm -hmm. altar how is is that singer because some people don't want and and let's be sure let's be real open and transparent some people don't want still in this day and age don't want women standing in the pulpit let alone right. standing behind the altar so you mm-hmm. have a woman that's getting ready to sing a song and the church is going to get in an uproar because you had this woman standing behind the pulpit well here's a way you can avoid that pastor church <laughs> have some equipment have some external microphones Mm-hmm. So that people can, if they're coming in and singing, or if they're coming in to, to speak, you know. Right. So oh, okay, that I, I I went off on a whole nother tangent, but anyway, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> but that that just caught my ear. You have to take your own equipment. Wow, and mm-hmm. then set it up and break it down. Yes, <laughs> and make sure that they have the. Uh, electricity or the wattage to mm-hmm. carry the equipment that you have. Yes. I don't know about you, but I've seen places that still have still have those outlets that only have the two prongs. It doesn't mm-hmm. have a grounder in it, so it's right. Looking at the and that's from the sixties, sixties and seventies. So yes. you you walk in there with a with a keyboard that has a grounding unit, and you cannot plug it in anywhere or the plug is across the room so mm-hmm. now you got to bring your extension cord yes. your power bar mm-hmm. okay <laughs> yes <laughs> interesting okay I'll get off that I'll get off that so I am going to ask you at this point if you could tell my audience what you have coming up and um, if you have any events coming up and how people can get in contact with you if they'd like to get in contact with you okay 
Uh, the events we have coming up uh, in February, which will be the first Saturday in February, which is February 3rd at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we will be in Dothan, Alabama, uh, celebrating our uh, 35th year banquet. Mm. And we will be doing this banquet. We did the last banquet at 30 years. And so we're going to do this one at 35. And so we're excited about that. We met about it on Thursday night. And so um, we want to go on and start telling everybody about it. So they won't plan anything else for February 3rd. <laughs> and then on February the uh 11th which will be the second sunday in february we will be celebrating our 35th choir anniversary and we will have the pastor michael d lovejoy pastor of saint peter missionary baptist church in pelham georgia he will be our uh preacher for that uh event and so we're just looking for a high time in the Lord. Uh, and prayerfully, 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 we will start on our second CD sometime this year. I'm not <laughs> sure what month, but that's what I can hear the Lord saying this is the year. Okay, that sounds exciting. And how will people be able to get in contact with you, Frederick? Okay, um, my... Uh, Facebook is Frederick Shorter Blakely Mass. That's uh, Facebook, Frederick Shorter Blakely Mass. Um, self number 229 308 3273. Home number 229 723 8960. Okay. I usually tell people don't give out your phone number because they'll be calling you all, all times, day and night. Oh. <laughs> 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 so, okay. And I want to thank my guest, Frederick Shorter, for participating in this segment on Let's Talk Gospel Music Gold. These shows are to explore, record, and raise excitement about gospel music and its gold. I hope you, the audience, enjoyed this episode as much as I have. Please send me an email sharing your thoughts about the podcast segment. Also, if you have any suggestions of future guests you would like to hear on the show, send an email to let's talk to gmg at gmail.com. That's let's talk the number two gmg at gmail.com. And then you can listen to the podcast on Spotify Anchor, where you may also like and share and subscribe to the program and you'll know when the latest episode is published. Listen Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to Let's Talk Gospel Music Gold Radio Show on WMRMDB Internet Radio Station, heard anywhere in the world. I am your host, Ansonia, saying, let's sing, let's shout, and tell of the great news through Gospel Music Gold. Until the next episode, Take care and God bless.
This episode has been sponsored by Nelsie IT. The disaster has happened. We were all caught off guard March 2020. And in many cases, there is now a rebuilding process which must take place. How does this affect you as a church leader or a small business owner? With over 20 years of experience, we can help you create an emergency response and a business continuity plan for your church or your small business. We discuss methods of preparing for the next emergency or disaster. Here are a few things we can speak to you about for your church. How to continue communicating with your congregants without access to your physical location. How do members reach the leadership staff? What about church records? Are they safe and available? And here are a few things we will cover for a small business. Communicating with your customers and meeting their needs and or orders. Do you have a backup process to keep your business records safe? We can talk about technology, security, and record keeping. For more information, contact us at 708-762-3587. That's 708-762-3587. And we can discuss how you can feel more comfortable in creating a emergency response plan and or a business continuity plan.